Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Man, it's been such a good morning already. We dedicated 19 babies today. Come on now. I'm proud of all you people. We are growing the kingdom of God one way or another. Let's do this. Hey, some of y'all may not be aware, but today is the 23rd anniversary for New Life Church across the state. Come on, celebrating 23 years. On this day, 23 years ago, we had our very first service at our first campus over there in Conway. I'm so thankful that the Lord delivered Pastor Rick and Michelle out of Louisiana, brought them here to Arkansas, and I'm thankful for their obedience. There's a couple of families, honestly, that moved with them that they don't get mentioned very often, but they're very near and dear to us. The DeLons and the Hamiltons are two families that gave up everything, gave up businesses, careers, all their roots down there in Louisiana, came with Pastor Rick and Michelle to plant this church. And so I'm thankful. God needs willing vessels that are willing to step out with extraordinary obedience and faithfulness to do big things. And I wanna let you know, if you are open, willing, and obedient, there is nothing that God can't use you to do. And I'm thankful that the Lord has used Pastor Rick and Michelle to plant this church. I'm thankful and honored that, Pastor, or that Cody and I have been able to be a part of that vision for almost 21 years now. It's been a wild ride in the next 23, 60, however many years till Jesus comes back. Maranatha, Maranatha, but in the meantime, let's keep doing work, amen? Amen. Well, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter four. We're gonna be right there at the beginning. Jesus is teaching a parable and he uses parables to speak deep biblical truths. And in this parable, he's actually teaching about how to hear from God. You learn as a believer that God speaks in different ways. So one of the ways that God speaks is he'll speak through his spirit. Okay, when you become a believer, you get a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And as you stay connected with him, as you grow in relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more sensitive you are to the spirit and the more you can hear him more clearly. But the thing is, even if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you still have your flesh. You still deal with your flesh. So even if you really feel like you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you can't always be 100% confident because it might just be the pizza you had the night before. Okay, so you also have the body of Christ. There's a lot of wisdom sitting in this room. And you may be like, yeah, but they ain't sitting next to me. Okay, you may feel that way. But somewhere even on your row, there's some wisdom. There's a testimony. There's experience. There is somebody in this room that I promise you has more biblical knowledge. Okay, they've got a testimony that can help you. And so it's good to have the body of Christ that can speak into us as well. But here's the thing, how many of y'all know that again, even though they may be godly, they may have a lot of good wisdom, they try to give good advice, they still have their flesh. And they can be struggling with their flesh and they don't always know if they're giving Holy Spirit-led advice or if it's the pizza from night before, okay? But the one thing that you can always go to that doesn't shift, never moves, it's not like sand, it's not like the waves of the sea, it's not blown, it doesn't shift like shadows, is the word of God. 
So what you learn is when those things can begin to line up, okay, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the biblical godly counsel of those around you, and the word of God, that helps you get direction. That'll help you be able to make wise choices, to know what the Lord is speaking. So in this particular parable, that's what Jesus is talking about. How do you hear from the word of God? And he is speaking this with a tremendous amount of conviction and passion. I've said this before, but every once in a while, if you're raising kids, there's something that you're communicating that they may try to blow off. And you have these, what I call, face-grabbing moments. Every once in a while, you gotta grab your kid's face, not too tight, but grab your kid's face and make sure that they're making eye contact and that they're listening, like, good to get this. And that is the kind of intensity that Jesus has around this parable. In fact, it's so important. He tells his disciples, if you don't get this, you won't get anything else that I'm gonna try to teach you. So let's go to the text. Starting in verse one, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat out on the lake while all the people along the shore, the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear again or grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, came up, grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What's so interesting is right after Jesus teaches this parable, he doesn't say anything else. Like no other explanation. Like the teaching moment is done. I'm thankful that the disciples were humble enough to come and ask him. I'm thankful they were like, oh, that was good, Jesus. That was, oh, it's deep. Yeah, I understood everything you were just saying. Totally clear. No, I'm glad they came and said, uh, what? Seed and soils and stuff. He came and asked them. And he explains to them. He breaks this down, which, which really in and of itself teaches a very important lesson. The parables of God's word God's word and learning it, it requires interaction. If we don't engage, if we don't question, if we don't study what Jesus is saying, we won't really get it. It won't be revelation. So today we have Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us, but we also have the body of Christ that helps us interact, that we can have these questions, that we can really dig in and have that interaction with them. So here's something that we can learn from this. The, the condition of our heart, that's what the soils represent. And each one of us have these different soils at different seasons. 
The first soil, the first heart condition is the hardened heart. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed on the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. The word that was sown in them. Okay, so the key is the seed is the word of God. The first place that it's described as falling on is the hardened soil, the hardened heart. Which means that the word is either heard but not understood yet. Or it's heard or hasn't been heard yet. Or it's heard but it's rejected. And then it says that Satan, more specifically, it says birds, probably crows. Almost any time there's a negative connotation that is representing the enemy coming along, it's almost always a crow. Okay? Because they were scavengers. They represented death. He says that these birds come along, and I just want to let you know that it's not always the devil. Sometimes he uses people. Sometimes he uses situations and circumstances to come and snatch up God's word that's been sown on our lives. There's a lot of different things that can cause a hardened heart. I want to focus on two. The first one is rebellion towards God. That's where you have sin in your life, but you won't turn. You won't turn away from it. You won't repent. And you have no intent of changing. God has convicted you, but you don't care. And you keep doing things your way. What happens is you can even get in this rhythm where you can make the shame or the guilt or the condemnation that the enemy begins to put on you because you're not responding to conviction and to ease those things, you can even do church things to pacify or to temporarily soothe the way that you feel. But at the end of the day, you still won't change behavior that the Holy Spirit is convicting you on. There's no doubt that sin can harden your heart, but rebellion within that sin becomes like the sun hardening clay. It happens so much faster. Another thing that can cause a hard heart is what the Bible calls itching ears. Itching ears. It's where you have these strong preferences on who teaches the word of God or what they teach on or specific personalities or styles or topics. All of us, if you've raised kids, anybody who's raised kids, you know that they have a tendency to tune some things out. And a lot of times they're the things that they feel like they've heard lots of times. So at one point or another, when you have to say the same thing over and over and over again, every parent in here becomes like an adult in a Charlie Brown episode. That is all they hear. I think back to when I was a kid, there was a few phrases that my parents would say. You, would just, you could just guarantee they were gonna say these things. Anytime we went to somebody's house as a family, my dad would turn back to the kids in the back seat of our Ford truck and say, y'all be on your best behavior now. Y'all be on your best behavior now. And we knew what that meant. It meant that when we got in that house or in that home, if we weren't on our best behavior, he wouldn't say anything. He would just look at us. And we would immediately begin to prepare our hind parts for what we knew was gonna happen when we got home. And then when it was time to receive that discipline when we got home, here was another phrase. 
this is gonna hurt me a lot more than it's gonna hurt you. This is gonna hurt me a lot more than it's gonna hurt you. Yeah, right. Come on, big boy, let me spank you if you feel that way. Let's see how that goes. I would encourage you never to say that. But those things would be said. There were some things that they would be said and they were true and they were right. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Things like that, but you could tune those things out. Well, we all have a tendency to check out if we don't think that the message or the word applies to us. In fact, some of you in this room right now, as soon as you saw Mark chapter four, you're like, I've heard this parable a thousand times. There's probably nothing new I can learn. Well, I understand having preferences. Every once in a while, people will come to me, Pastor James, you need to preach on this. Haven't you been watching the news, Pastor James? You need to preach on this today. And I get it. And it's okay to have those preferences. The problem is when those preferences have a tendency to affect the way that you can receive anything from the word of God. Where you start stiff arming something because you're like, ah, I've heard it a thousand times or I don't like the style. We probably all do that during certain worship songs. Like, oh, I don't really like this one. So we don't even worship. I think you have to be careful because those types of attitudes can begin to harden your heart to where you can't receive. Here's what's happening, even if you don't realize it, what's happening is Satan loves to distract you and do whatever he can so you don't receive God's word. Best case scenario from him for him would be that you stay stuck in sin, but at a minimum, what he wants to do is to keep you immature, ineffective, and for you to stop growing because he knows if the word of God gets in your heart, it's going to produce fruit. That's why he tries to take the word away from us before it ever finds a place. If you find yourself a hardened heart, I would encourage you to do a couple of things. You might wanna write these down. First of all, lean into the conviction of the Holy Spirit. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is he brings conviction. The thing that's amazing and beautiful about it is, is it's by, through his kindness that he draws us to repentance. There's never been a time where the tone of the Holy Spirit has been condemning. It's always been in a whisper that says, hey, I've got something better and you know it. This is hurting you and it's hurting my heart. You've gotta stop. You've gotta stop. Lean into those moments. I love it when I can tell when someone's convicted and they respond immediately. Again, if you're raising kids, if you have a kid that as soon as they realize they did something wrong, immediately they apologize. Man, how beautiful is that? But you also know if you don't respond right away, you create a tendency where you don't respond and the, the time extends. And if you let that time extend, your heart's getting hard. Lean into the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Another thing I'd encourage you to do, worship until you're tender again. Worship. 
Get yourself in the presence of God and worship him. Get yourself in a place where you can declare out loud who God is, his goodness, his faithfulness, the truth of who he is and the truth of who you are in him, even if you don't feel like it. Even if you don't believe it or see it in yourself in that moment, you worship. Because as you begin to worship, what you're doing is you're putting God in his rightful position in your life. And as you put God in the rightful position on the throne of your heart, then his spirit comes and begins to work on your heart. And he will need on your heart. And the great thing is, you may feel like your heart's really hard, but the Holy Spirit's really good at his job. And if you can get into his presence, just a moment in his presence, the Holy Spirit can bring even the hardest hearts to a place of tenderness again, to where you can receive from the Lord again. Worship until those walls fall down, until he breaks those things that need to be broken. Number two, a shallow heart. A shallow heart, verse 16, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of the word, they quickly fall away. We've all experienced things in life that are shallow that we wish were deeper. We've all experienced things. Like when you're growing up, and you see that there's a pool at a hotel you're staying at, but it's four foot deep. You're not even allowed to jump in it, it's too shallow. I'd also say things like a bag of chips. There's nothing more discouraging than getting a bag of chips. Really looking forward to, for me personally, a big bag of regular laced potato chips. I like a side of mustard. If you don't eat potato chips with mustard, you're missing out. If you don't like mustard at all, I pray you repent. It's, it's, it's uh, the mustard seed. It's all throughout the word of God. It's biblical to eat mustard, okay? But it's frustrating when you're enjoying that and then all of a sudden you can feel the bottom of the bag and you're like, why do you do this, Lays? You are a deceitful temptress is what you are. You get me all excited that I'm gonna have this satisfying experience and then it's air. That's all that's there. Another thing that's always too shallow, free water. When you go to a restaurant, Hey, I don't want to, I just want a water. And they give you the smallest little shot glass that you can possibly get. And they're like, here, this, take this. And you're like, okay. But then you go and you take two bites. You're already out of water, but you're trying to enjoy your meal. But then you have to get back up and go refill your water 17 times. And maybe it's because we're cheap, but I'm convinced because of this, we have one of the most dehydrated families around because it's just not deep enough. It's not deep enough. Movie theater popcorn, another thing that's never deep enough. It's so frustrating. Here's, here's where I'm at with this. Look, I, I try not to eat a lot of unhealthy things, but when I go to a theater, that's the one time. It's like, give me, give me that big old bucket of chemical grease goodness. Put it on there. And, and, and so I, and here's the thing. I'm a two-tub popcorn eater, and I'll explain that to you. I'll get the large, and as soon as I get the perfect chemical to popcorn mixture in there, I'll begin eating that thing right away. And I will finish a full tub before the credits are even coming up at the beginning of the movie. Like I, that's, 
and it's perfect timing because then I go get the refill, right? And then I got another tub, but it still feels like it's not enough. It's not deep enough. Snow. I don't mind a little bit of snow, but when it snows just enough to cancel school and I've got my kids at home with me for nine days, <laughs> that snow better be six foot deep. Because if I'm gonna have them home for that long, they better be able to build their own house outside in the snow. <laughs> Just not deep enough. Jesus describes seed falling on rocky places as that shallow soil. The problem here isn't the reception of the word, it's the lack of depth of the roots. And I just wanna say this, you can't live on your parents' roots. You can't live on your friends' roots. You can't live on your church's roots. You can't live on your pastor's roots. God wants you to have your own roots and he wants them to be deep so that they can produce much. He says, when trouble comes, not if, when trouble comes, when the heat of life turns up, do you have the roots to sustain you? Because without roots, you won't persevere. We saw this play out about four years ago. The heat was turned up and it got hard because we had a pandemic and it was an election year and when there was division all over the place and many people lacked the roots and they were exposed. And some of those people, they fell away. They fell away from God they fell away from the church, and some of them never came back. Many did. And as a result, they learned, I wasn't ready, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna change now. It's time. It's time. And so I just want to exhort you on something. As we approach another election year, we need to be prepared. The heat will turn up again. It's not if, it's when. It's coming because I've seen the enemy use this to create more division, not just in culture, not just in our nation, but in the church, maybe more than anything else that happens. When it happens, do you have roots that are centered around eternal, immovable truth and not just shallow roots based in non-essential opinions of people? We have to remember when this happens, we gotta be rooted in Jesus, united as the body of Christ, and remember that our ultimate citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. And when the heat turns up, we look at it as an opportunity to bring him glory, and that's it. So what do you do when you have a shallow heart? Well, you gotta get rooted. Sounds a lot like a series we started at the beginning of the year with. And I'd encourage you, if you didn't hear it, go back and watch it, it's on our Facebook page. You can go back and listen to our podcast, listen to that series because you've gotta prioritize your time with Jesus. You gotta be rooted in him, consistent time and place, getting into his word daily. We're, right now, many of us are, are reading through the book of Mark. It's the reading plans on the back of your Mark Mark. We have these bookmarks that'll help you mark your, the book of Mark as you're reading through the book of Mark. And, and even if you're behind, it doesn't take long. It takes five, 10 minutes a day at the most, but stay consistent with it every day reading in the word, stay connected and planted in the body of Christ. Be here on Sundays 
the best that you can as much as you can. Get into a life group. We just kicked them off, but it is not too late for you to get plugged in. Every single one of us need biblical community. And some of you stiff arm that. That might be a hard heart. That might be a place where you're, you think that you don't need it. But I'm telling you, God designed you for it. So maybe it doesn't work within the context of the groups that we have because of schedule or whatever else that's going on. Do you have any believers around you that you work with, that are, that are around your neighborhood? Gather two or three together and study the word of God together. Ask each other questions, challenge each other, hold each other accountable to staying consistent. You need biblical community. I don't care who you are, how good you are at studying, what kind of a theologian you are, you need the body of Christ. And as we do that, we'll continue to have a heart that receives God's word with joy. And our roots will grow deeper than when Hard times come, we won't fall away. We'll remain in the Lord. Number three, the distracted heart. Verse 18, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. These are seeds falling among weeds or thorns. It's the distracted heart. What you could say about this soil is it's actually almost too fertile because the word begins to grow, but so does everything else. But as a result, there's no fruit. There's a lot of potential, but because these, these weeds, these thorns are growing alongside of it, those plants never reach their full potential and they can't produce fruit. They can't produce a harvest. And I think many believers live right here. The problem here is neglect because these thorns, they don't just pop up overnight. No, it happens progressively. And Jesus identifies three main types of thorns that can distract our hearts. First, you got the worry of life. Just the worries of life consumed with worry and anxiety, the, the what ifs that, that happen to any one of us. And then the deceitfulness of wealth. There's this old saying, money talks. Well, here it's like Jesus saying, money talks, and when it talks, it lies. In the words of the great philosopher, Notorious B.I.G., he said, more money, more problems. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. And then just the desire of other things, or the desire culture to fit in. This is when you love God, but you just love the world a little bit more. You might say, well, I like spending time with God in the morning, but I also really like scrolling on social media a little bit more. I enjoy church on Sunday mornings, but I also really enjoy living like the world on Friday and Saturday night. Or maybe it's not even bad things. It could be good things that are still crowding out all the margin that you could have to build an intimate, meaningful relationship with Jesus. 
To build a fire, you need three primary components. Fuel, wood, coal, something combustible. You need fuel, you need spark, flame, and you need air. You need oxygen. And I've heard people say it this way, I want to be on fire for God. I want to be on fire for God. But you can get fueled by some of the greatest sermons and teachings and life group experiences and sparked by anointed worship and services. But if in between those times, the things of this world are consuming all the oxygen, you will never be on fire for God. This is how the word of God feels in a distracted heart. Everything's there, but there's no air for it to breathe, for it to really ignite because it's being choked out by other things that are consuming our hearts. It needs to be given some air because if it can be given some air, the Holy Spirit begins to blow on that thing, then it'll light up. And then you can finally be on set, set on fire by God so the world can watch you burn for him. And he wants to do that. But you're too busy. You got too many things you don't want to let go of. Here's what we can do with a distracted heart. In a lot of ways, you have to become a landscaping technician. You have to take ownership of the soil of your heart. You've got to work through the thorns that are growing up. For some of you, that means that you just need to trim back. You need to reprioritize. There's some refocus, more discipline, not doing as much, slowing down. But some things need to get removed completely. These are things that are unhealthy, ungodly, not supported in his word. They can just be an idol, something that you are spending all of your time and energy and focus doing. And anything that is like that, that you're spending more time, energy, focus, and resources to, that isn't God, is an idol. No matter what it is. And you've got to identify the roots of those things. And by the way, sometimes those roots have been around for a long time. And to really do the work, you're going to have to gather some other godly men or godly women around you that can really dig in and find those roots, apply the word of God in some focused prayer, and really deal with it because the enemy has put those things there and they've been growing a long time. And too many of us keep whacking weeds down and they just keep popping back up. you got to deal with the root. And he wants to do it but you're gonna have to give him some space to work. If you're willing to take ownership over the soil of your heart and work on these thorns, then the word of God will be able to breathe again and it will be fruitful in your life. Number four, fully devoted heart. Verse 20, others like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what is sown now, there's something that's in this verse that's kind of underlying that become, become a real issue. And that is the trap of comparison. The problem can be sometimes that you start comparing what you're producing to what someone else is producing. He's saying, look, some of you, you're gonna be called to produce 
30 times. Some of you, it's gonna be 60 times. And some of you, 100 times. You don't worry about what everybody else is producing. You be faithful to what I've asked you to produce. But whatever it is, it's multiplied. We serve a God of exponents, not a God of addition and subtraction. When we let the word of God come into our heart, he will always multiply things. You just be faithful with your 30 times. Or you be faithful with your 60 times. Or if God's given you the grace, the calling and gifting, be faithful with your hundred times, but just be faithful with what God's given you and don't compare yourself to what anyone else is producing. You gotta start there. But this represents a fully devoted heart, not a perfect heart, but a heart after God. For the word is heard, received, and accepted. Now, don't get this twisted because you need sometimes to pass what you're hearing, even from preachers, even from pastors, including me, you need to put it through the filter of what the Holy Spirit, you need to test the spirit of it. You need to make sure that it lines up with his word. So you don't just readily accept it, you hold it in an open hand, you let the Holy Spirit examine it, and what is from him, you take it, you let it take root, and what isn't, you reject it. Sometimes you gotta chew the cud and spit out what isn't good. Some of you are like, I have no idea what that is. I grew up around a lot of cattle. I know what I'm talking about. Any cowboys in the room? Okay, none. All right, that's all right. We need more cowboys around here. God has designed his word to produce much in you. I go back to when I was in Bible school. I'm so thankful that God laughed at my plan for life and I gave up scholarships to go to a big state school down in Texas, gave that up to go to a small Bible school in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm thankful for that because that Bible school was intense. They had a lot of, of boundaries and rules. Really, they weren't rules. They were just godly guardrails that helped us stay on a good path. But during that season, I just committed, I'm gonna be all out. I'm not gonna date. I'm not gonna date. Now, I can't say I didn't scope and hope a little bit, all right? I can't keep a guy from scoping and hoping a little bit, but I didn't date because I wanted to be focused. But in that time, man, we had dedicated time in the word and prayer every single day. Obviously, our studies were around the Bible. And I understand not all of us can go to Bible school. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the moment that I made the decision that I was gonna get serious about the things of God, that his word, time with him was gonna be a priority, things changed in my life. And it began to produce so much fruit, I couldn't even keep up with it. I have journals that are full of God speaking to me and giving me revelation during that season of my life. And it isn't to say that I never struggled again, but I got to a point where I stopped playing games. I got serious about the sin, the habitual patterns of my life with some, some godly men that could hold me accountable, that could challenge me, could remind me of what God says about me. I got real and honest about my struggles so that I could walk out freedom. And it wasn't that I never messed up and it's not that I don't still mess up, but I can always go back to that place where I say, I just gotta get back to the word of God. I gotta get my heart open. I got too busy, I got too distracted, I got too prideful, I got too insecure, I got too offended, I got too whatever, and I gotta get back to spending time with my creator and his word. And I gotta let his spirit breathe on it again. And every single time I've done that, fruit grows. Fruit is produced every single time. I just have to be open. I just have to be willing. So the question is this, what's the condition of your heart? 
the life that is producing much, this is what God has for us. He, he wants us to have good soil. I want you to focus on two things that have a fully devoted heart. You can write these down. First of all, learn to hold on to the word. The definition of an overcomer is someone who holds on to the word of God in their heart no matter what. You know what I'm so encouraged about? God is moving in our church. If you don't sense it, that's okay. I just want to let you know he's moving. It's not me. It's not our worship team. It's not our systems. It's just willingness, obedience, and humbleness to say, come Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. And then we just let him do what he wants to do. God is moving, but it doesn't mean that there isn't challenges. It doesn't mean that there's not persecution. It doesn't mean there aren't people in our church that are taking hits. We have some health diagnosis in our church that are bleak. No hope according to doctors, according to medical books. But what I'm so thankful is that even as people in our church are receiving these hits, whatever they may be, you know what they're not doing? They're not putting down the word of God. They're grabbing firmer a hold of it than they ever have in their life. And in the midst of things that feel so discouraging and so depressing that could be they just keep declaring the word of God and they're at a place where they say even if okay God I believe and we have full faith for healing over anything we have full faith that God can heal any broken marriage I don't care how broken they are any broken body I don't care how broken they are any broken mind or emotion I don't care how broken they are we have faith to believe that he can heal anything but we trust him for every outcome because he is God and we are not and his plan is perfect and if we receive Healing on this earth, praise God. If we receive healing in his presence, praise God, he's good. And I love seeing people that are just saying in faith and maturity, I'm gonna hold on to this no matter what. If you can hold on to this, it won't let you down, ever. It won't let you down. I'm so thankful that people are holding on to the word. And I'd also encourage you that when you get into it, expect God to speak to you. Come with expectation. Anytime you get around the word of God, but here's the thing, you're gonna have to remove distractions. Like I'm a big fan of the Bible app. I'm a big fan of all the reading plans and everything that comes through the YouVersion app. I thank God every day for Life Church and Pastor Greg Rochelle that they created that app. It is changing lives. The thing I don't like about it, it's on a phone. Which means it's always one touch away from something else that can so easily suck the oxygen right out of my time with God. But here's what I would say. If you can, focus. Give God a few minutes. Give God a few minutes. He wants to speak. He still speaks. Come with an expectation that even if you've read something hundreds of times, the Holy Spirit can peel another layer give you a fresh revelation you've never seen before. Guys, I've read through Proverbs 60 times, maybe more. Every single time I read one of those Proverbs, I still learn something. The Lord still speaks to me. But some of that is I come with an expectation of saying, yeah, I've read this. I've read Mark chapter 4. I've read this parable so many times. But if I come with an expectation that God will still speak, he does. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads.
What's the attitude of your heart? Is it hardened, shallow, distracted? Or is it fully devoted? And what I want to do right now is I want to address the hearts in this room that have not yet received the word. For whatever reason, you have a hard heart. So there's never been roots. Another way to say it, there's never been relationship. There's never been relationship. You've been around the things of God, maybe. You've heard hundreds of sermons, hundreds of preachers, hundreds of podcasts, hundreds of whatever. You've been around it and you've heard it, but it's never even begun to take root because you've just been hard. And I don't know the reasons why your heart is hard. Sometimes people's hearts, hearts are hard because of hurt, because of offense. Sometimes people's hearts are hard because of church people, because of mean Christians. I don't know why your heart is hard. Maybe it is rebellion. Maybe there is just elements of your life. There's sin in your life that you just don't want to give up. But also know this, there might be some of you that even while I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been wrapping himself around that heart. And he's just gently begun to apply some pressure just to let you know that he's here and that he loves you and he's got a plan. The fact is, if you don't let him, he won't. He's a gentleman. But if you're willing to open and let him, Man, I don't care how hard the soil of your heart has gotten. You can come in and do the work and soften. You can have relationship with your heavenly thought father through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And if you know that you need a relationship with the Lord and you're ready to surrender to him, to turn, to repent and turn towards him. Begin to find your purpose. Allow your heart to receive his word so that you can live the life and life to the full that he's designed for you. If you're in that place, you know you need to surrender to him. You're ready to have a relationship with him. I'd love to pray with you. And as an act of obedience and a willingness in your heart to say, that's me, you're willing to be humble and admit it. I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I make eye contact with you, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you. I got you right here, dude. Anyone else? I need to surrender to the Lord, okay. Anyone else? I don't have a relationship with him. I'm ready to have a relationship with him. I'm away from him. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, dude. Appreciate you. Look, you raising your hand is not what gets you saved, but it's obedience. It's an act of your free will. And every person that's raised their hand and, and even just hearing me affirm it, man, it, it, it helps. It helps release faith. Is there anyone else? Gotcha. Yes. The Lord kind of gave me this picture of the first service and I just want to communicate it again. I'm not a big fan, thank you. I'm not a big fan of massages, 
But I know every once in a while, if you go to see a massage, you could have a knot. And the thing is, you've got to give that masseuse the permission to work on that knot, that hard place. If you resist it, if you don't want it to happen, then you just get more tense, you get more tight and it won't work. There's a point of surrendering, even if it hurts a little bit, even if it feels painful in the moment, if you're gonna have that part of your shoulder, relax and release. And I feel like that's a picture of some of your stubbornness. You're sitting in the presence of the great physician, the great healer, the Holy Spirit. And he is ready to work on the hardest places of your life, but you have to be willing to let go and release. So is there anybody in here that you're just being a knot and it's time to let him? Let's do it now. Got you, bro. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest. Anybody else? Just stubborn. They're at the back. Anyone else? You know you need to surrender. The Holy Spirit's been telling you I got you there at the back, bro. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, sir. Bless you, sir. Anyone else? I'm ready to surrender to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay. Again, you raising your hand is not what gets you saved, but I wanna help lead you in a conversation of just responding to the Holy Spirit, responding to what he's asked you, what he's, he's leading you to do in this moment. At some point, you need to go public with this decision. A great way to do that is through water baptism. I would encourage you as soon as we're done praying, that you come up to someone on our, our prayer team up here at the altar and let them know that you made this decision because they can help you with next steps. What does it take to walk out a life it's fully devoted to Christ, a disciple. But tell somebody, at least as soon as you can, tell somebody you made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. But I wanna I want lead you in this prayer and just go something like this. Tell them, say, Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I believe that you died on the cross, paid the price for my sin, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you rose from the grave and you defeated sin so that I can walk in freedom. I'll still make mistakes, but I know that I can come to you at any time and you're faithful to forgive. And I'm thankful that because you rose from the grave, you defeated death itself so that I have the hope of heaven, but so that I can walk without fear and fulfill my purpose here on earth. I surrender to you now as my Lord. And I know that the only way you can be Lord, I can't live for myself. I can't be Lord and nothing else can be Lord. So I repent, I turn, and I turn towards you. I wanna live my life for you for the rest of my life, Jesus. Thank you. And Father, I thank you for speaking to us through your word. And I pray that we would each just be honest about the condition of the soil of our heart. Lord, would you bring us all to that place of a fully devoted heart where we receive everything that you have for us so that our roots can grow deep 
so we can produce much fruit no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens in the world. Not if, when it happens, we're still gonna glorify your name and build your kingdom. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.